For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Everybody back in the house here on Believe in Lions, the Believe in Lions podcast. My name is Derek Okri. You can get at me at Derek Okri on Twitter. This is the Believe Podcast Network, Detroit's number one sports podcasting network where I believe in the Lions. And by the end of this episode, so will you. And the reason I know that is because I got Logan Lamarandier joining me again. Uh, I've, I always pump his stuff up, but I mean, I had to have him back on. He's been gracious enough to come on. He... He had some run-ins with Darius Slay on Twitter. He, he was called Logan Lamarandier by uh, Matt Derry on Locked On Lions. I mean, this guy's been all over the the, the interweb uh, doing Lions stuff, and I thought it'd be fun to talk with him. So we're going to talk Stafford, Slay, linebackers, receivers, cornerbacks, safeties, all types of other things here on the show. Logan, how are you? Doing good, my man. How about yourself? Oh, man. Man, real good. It's kind of that time in the season where people try to say, you know, oh, it's it's the down season, it's the slow season. But here in Detroit, man, especially the last couple of days before we're recording here, lots of things coming out about our quarterback and about the cornerback who wants to get pizzade. So we'll, we'll jump right into it, man. Uh, most recent thing that everybody's talking about, I'm curious to get your opinion. I mean, Matt Stafford being kind of called out by the local Channel 4 News saying that the Lions are shopping him and they've been shopping him. Bob Quinn has to come out and shoot that down and say it's 100% false, which I thought was unique to, to, to put the 100% and also to come out and shoot it down so quickly. Uh, what are your thoughts on all this? I'm curious. Well, there's a lot going on, and you know, there's been reports even before the local uh, TV station even mentioned it. And I don't know how credible or how much credence I had put into the, the reports, you know, coming out of Miami. Uh, Omar Kelly, I believe his name is, that said the Lions. He's definitely hearing that they were looking around and seeing what they could get for Stafford. And you know, I I feel like there could be a little bit of truth to that. You always kind of see, you know, maybe there's some light talks about, you know, there's, there's no player who's truly untradeable, but if there's anyone on the lines that's untradeable, I feel like it's Stafford and there's for a ton of different reasons. I just don't think that it's a smart move by Bob Quinn, considering the circumstances that he and Patricia are under because Martha Ford basically gave her, gave them the win now scenario. It's like, you, if you're not winning this year, you're out. So I don't know how it, make a lot of sense to move on from Stafford and hope to find another guy that can even provide the same type of talent that he can. And you look at the cap number, like how it's $32 million to trade Stafford this year. And yet he only counts $21 million if he's on the team. So you're not only are you creating a huge hole at the quarterback position, if you were to trade Stafford, but you're also losing $11 million in cap space. And the Lions have a, roughly around $50 million in cap space right now. And you need just about all that. There's players that they need to resign. You need to upgrade other positions. 
And not only are you going to downgrade at the quarterback position, but you're also going to take away $10 million in cap space for this year. It just doesn't make any sense to me why Bob couldn't would do that if he is truly under the gun and has to win now. Now, maybe, you know, all pure speculation, but maybe if Martha Ford's like, okay, well, if you take a, a rookie quarterback, maybe they'll get another year. But I don't, I don't think Martha should be willing to give this regime a, a rebuilding phase. You know, they, they weren't brought in to do that. They're brought in to win now. So what I don't think that it's necessarily a good idea to give them more years by just drafting a young quarterback. That shouldn't be an excuse. They still need to win now. So I know there's a, there's a lot to unpack with this Stafford trade and so much of it's just conjecture, but I, I fully believe that he's still going to be the quarterback in 2020 and Bob Quinn you mentioned it where it is kind of odd that he would reply to a text from Dave Briquette of the Detroit Press that said 100% false with double exclamation points. So, and then he had a report later today by Benjamin Albright, who basically said that he talked to multiple teams or sources that talked to teams that inquired about Stafford today after someone, after it was mentioned that he might be on the trading block and they all came back saying that, Bob Quinn told him that Stafford wasn't even on the table. So I, again, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to trade Stafford this year. And it appears as of right now that, you know, rumors are just rumors at this point. Yeah, man. Good stuff there. We, as we say, rumor innuendo here on this show, but uh, I got a couple comebacks on that, on what you said. So, you know, when you break down the dollars and cents, I'm right there with you that it really doesn't make any sense. Um, uh, for a lot of reasons, you know, you, like you said, you got to sort of take the calls. You want to gauge the value. You know, if a team's offering you a, a pick, you know, six for the Chargers or a seven for the Panthers for a Matt Stafford, that's a pretty valuable asset when you're talking about four years, you know, um, player controlled, cost controlled type asset. Now, on all the different podcasts and things I, I do with the Lions, I mean, I'm always here backing up Matt Stafford. I say he can make every throw on the football field. He seems like one of the hardest workers in the building. He he never is going to say or do anything really off the field that's ever going to create any waves. Now, some people would like a few more waves, you know, than this guy gives you. He gives you the, the stock answers, you know, that, that um, you hear a lot that the fans are, are not big fans of. But here's my counterpoint. Like, it's been 10, 11. I think we're going into year 12. Like everybody always talks about what Matt Stafford doesn't have. Like, I think at some point you get to the point where if the deal is good enough, if you know that even if you put a great team around him, maybe there's some players that just have the the star winning quality and some that don't. And I, and Matt Stafford's been the comeback kid. He's been a guy that's, wowed us with things he can do on the football field but he's never won at any type of level here with the lions and people say well the lions have never won anyway well i i just think that if bob quinn and matt patricia were like hey we need a new voice a new leader a new guy that when the lights are brightest he plays the biggest a guy that when we don't even have a good enough team around him he finds a way to win in football games that's my only counterpoint is that some you know time in the future probably pretty soon like that at least has to be considered 
considered. I, I don't know that people just giving him the carte blanche here in year, year 12 of just rolling back out there and, and fix everything around him is always the, the perfect answer. But when you talk about the money, when you talk about what he can do, if healthy, we always got to throw that in. And at 32 years old, I think an ideal scenario is 32 to 36-ish is Matt Stafford's window to still play good football, hopefully be healthy, and hopefully win. And if you're going to bet on that, then okay. But if you also are betting that he maybe is going to be injured or is going to have other issues, I can somewhat see that sliver of like, if it's not this year, maybe it is next year to move on and just start at restart at that most important position at the quarterback position here here in Detroit right and I think next year would be a lot different uh just because the dead cap would only be 19 million and you'd save 14 million uh dollars next year if you were to move him and so yeah that would actually make sense and I'm not promoting to trade Stafford I don't know what this year is going to do but or how he's going to do this year but it would make more sense a lot more sense next year uh, if the Lions were to trade him just because they're actually saving $14 million instead of adding almost $11 million to their cap hit. And and another thing too is it's like if there is a new regime next year, if that were to end up being the case, um, you know, I, I maybe that could happen where they would try to move Stafford because they want to do a full rebuild. Bob, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia have definitely, built a team that is catered to what they want, but a new, a new regime might come in or front office will say, Hey, like this isn't our style. Like we don't want this. And we're starting from the ground up. We're going to trade just about everything we have and start fresh. And so I, I'm not saying that it's out of the possibility. The Lions could trade Stafford in the future. And you mentioned it. There has been not a lot of success in his career, but you'll look over at just what he's done throughout his career and, Last year was a perfect example. Yeah, they're only three, four, and one with Stafford, but without him, we saw what they are. They're a, probably the worst team in the league without him. You know, they didn't win one game without him. And then you just look this year. I I feel like it's a perfect time. His cap number this year is only twenty one point three million, which at this point in time, before these new free agent contracts uh, of quarterbacks come out. But Stafford only accounts for 10.7% of the cap this year. And that's the 13th highest percent for all quarterbacks. So it's not like his contract is some big hindrance right now. If anything, he's actually kind of a bargain. And so if the Lions are to be able to build a team around him, and you know if they were to maybe trade down in this year's drafting and add a couple more picks and add a few players through free agency, I think he can do a lot. Because I think the hardest part for people to understand and especially from like a national perspective, when they just like say, hey, Matthew Stafford's never won anything in Detroit. Well, that's pretty true. But at the same time, it, I don't think people really realize how bad the run game is. The Lions are last in the run game since Stafford came into the league. They only average 95, a little over 95 yards per game rushing as a team, not just one player. And there's only one other team that averaged since 2009 under 100 yards. And then the same thing with the defense. The defense, since Stafford has come into the league in 2009, it's been a very average defense. There's been a couple really good years, but more often than not, it's been in the bottom third. And they're they're allowing, again, going back to the 2009, 353 yards a game allowed. And I actually looked up, so it's kind of funny. I looked up in games where teams actually rush for less 
that 95 yards the Lions have averaged throughout Stafford's career, and the defense allows more than the Lions have averaged throughout Stafford's career. The Lions have the third highest winning percentage of all the teams since 2009. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it's because the Lions have relied so much on Stafford to carry the team. Yes, he hasn't carried the team to greatness, but he's carrying teams that without him, with an like an average quarterback, wouldn't be doing nearly as much as he is. So it's just, I think it's really difficult you know, the definition of insanity is just trying the same things over and over again and getting the same result. They're expecting different results. And that's kind of where we're at with Stafford a little bit. But I just feel like there's never been a truly complete team around him. And the, the closest year they had to it, when they had the number two defense, uh, you know, the Lions went 11-5. and five And they had a great year. And the playoff, that the horrible playoff game against Dallas where – you know, a lot of things could have gone differently, but that defense that was ranked number two at the same time didn't necessarily perform like a number two defense. It was kind of, they did that year, they played a lot of um, just bad teams um, on offense and a lot of bad quarterbacks. And I think it inflated the defensive stats a little bit, but long, yeah, sorry for the long winded answer, but I, Stafford, he's just, he's so polarizing in this city and it's a lot to do because of wins, but I just feel like, there's so many other quarterbacks that, um, you know, are not nearly as good as him that have playoff wins and that have taken teams on runs. And it's because there's actually a team around him. I, I'm still waiting to see Stafford with actually a legit run game. Not once had the Lions ever finished in the top half of the league uh, in rushing during Stafford's career. And then more often than not, they've been in the bottom 10. It's just, it seems like it's the same story every year. So I I don't know. I understand if a new regime were to come in here and, you know, they were given Martha Ford just basically said, okay, yeah, three build time, do whatever you got to do. You're going to have, you know, three years to really do whatever you want and you're not going to get fired. Then I could see Stafford getting moved. I just don't think he's nearly even close to the top of the list in terms of issues that have been with the Lions over the course of his career. Yeah, man, you, you hit a lot of great numbers there. I mean, we could talk Stafford for another hour. We, we got some other topics we got to get to. But before we do that, I got to throw a couple quick things back at you. So so you gave this the case for him. I've obviously said, and I do support the guy. I'd like to see number nine as quarterback. I'd like to see him healthy and with a – you know, a, a good above average type football team that he can he can lead. But that brings me to my counterpoint. Like when when you lay out the things of why he what he didn't have around or what he has done with less, my thing is every year, you know, I'm watching other guys kind of not have very big name receivers, maybe have I mean there's there's teams that make it deep in the playoffs. I couldn't tell you one offensive lineman. You know, they don't have a bunch of first round picks or, you know, up front or some of their defenders that make plays or guys that are coming off the street. So, you know, I don't I think the Lions have tried to give weapons across the board. He's put up the stats. My thing is my only knock on the guy really is everybody remembers those Thanksgiving games with the pick sixes or the games where we needed an extra play late or maybe early, you know, when we were struggling early in the first, what remember that season, like the first two to three quarters, we weren't doing anything. And, and at some point that has to fall back on the quarterback, as well as a certain sense of, you, you know, you see the Pat Mahomes, you see the Drew Breeses and, and guys like that, that there's just a certain leadership quality that everybody not only follows them, but they get everybody uh, wound up. And like when all the chips are down, they're looking at them and they show up the biggest. They make the biggest plays. Now, 
I think Stafford has that swagger of like, give me the ball late in the fourth quarter and he'll figure it out. But some of this ho-hum, oh golly gee, you know, um, say all the right things in the media. I can't imagine it always gets all the guys fired up in the locker room or says, man, you know, we're going to go to the nth degree. And that's when I talk about a new voice, just somebody um, that could come in, sound different, act different. You know, we've been doing the same thing. You know, Stafford's probably been the same guy as a pro from his fourth, fifth year in the league till now. That's like seven, eight years worth of the same guy, which everybody can say like, hey, he's consistent. He's the same guy every day. Okay, that's great. Sometimes you got to rattle some cages. So, again, I want the guy here. That's my counterpoint. And the, the quick thing I want to throw back at you, again, we, we could volley it back and forth, I'm sure. But the other thing that I haven't seen with Matt Stafford in his whole tenure, he's never been pushed ever by a, a backup, by somebody that really could maybe take his job, could maybe even, you know, just put that thought in him that you're just not gifted the job as the Detroit Lions quarterback. So my quick throwback to you on a question before we get to Darius Slay, what if, what if the Lions got stuck at three, could not trade and just said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do what everybody always talks about in the draft, and that's take the best player available. If Tua's medicals come back healthy, the quarterback is obviously the most valuable position in pretty much all of sports. If he's sitting there, they could, there could be a case made to take him to come in the organization, be behind Stafford, get himself right, learn the playbook, you know, get all the players kind of get, get to know the locker room, whatever. And then you do make that move in year two if Matt Stafford doesn't – if I guess if he does or doesn't ball out because if he plays incredible, that increases his value for another football team. Hey, he's healthy, played great. And if he doesn't, then you already have that thing in place. So is that anywhere on your radar, Logan, or is that just a no-go because you view it as a, a waste when you want to get a defensive tackle or defensive end or a corner instead? Yeah, so I mean that – pick at three it is interesting because you do want to grab the best value there and if you were to to grab Tua you know it wouldn't necessarily be great value uh, in the immediate future but in the long-term future you'd likely have two quarterbacks and if Tua turns out to be the player that so many think he's going to be you're going to get a lot of draft capital back in return for one of those guys and likely be Stafford being the older of the two but again, that doesn't help you this year. And I think the reason the Lions have never gotten anyone to necessarily push him is just because they don't want to spend the money. They have so many holes they always are seemingly trying to fill every year that it's just how much resources do you want to put into a backup, a guy that likely won't play? It's like you could use that at other spots to help the team out more. And I just I think it's kind of funny because I always hear like, oh, look at Patrick Mahomes and you know Aaron Rodgers. Um, guys that have come in and sat and look how good it turned out. But I, I, you look at all the rookies that are, or the younger players even that are having success. It's like, they're the last piece on the team. You know, that's like the final puzzle piece that a team needs. It's just the quarterback. They already have a great team. And once they put that quarterback in that spot, that's the, that's the young guys who are having the most success or they went to teams that were already pretty strong already. Like people forget how good the chiefs were with Alex Smith before they drafted Holmes and Alex Smith has always kind of been a guy. I don't necessarily think he's ever been on Stafford's level and the same with like Brett Favre and the Aaron Rodgers sitting behind him for a couple years. Like Brett Favre, he was getting up there in age. Like he was well past his prime. I don't think Stafford's at that point yet. So it's just, I, I would not do it. I don't, I understand a little bit. The lions did draft draft to that 
down the road, they would get something in return for one of the quarterbacks and be great value. But again, it just doesn't make sense with the, the circumstances that Bob Quinn is under to win. Now it, it is kind of a weird situation that he's in where he can't, he can't be doing anything any of these luxury picks. He has to make some, grab some players that make instant impact. And I don't think that's Tua. And, you know, I, I'm not quite as high up on Tua as a lot of people are. Um, I think he's going to be a good quarterback, but as part, as far as a guy, you can't pass up. Like, I just don't see him as that type of player. So I mean, I think all he's you can do is just wait and see, really. Yeah, and yeah, no, I'm with you. So that that's our 15-plus-minute deep dive on Matt Stafford. I know that's on everybody's mind, so we thought we'd get into it. Again, we could talk about so many other things, but it's going to be a big topic, but I think we're both on the same page. At the end of the day, you know, all signs point to Matt Stafford being the quarterback. You can never predict health. And then also, if they can get free agency and the draft right – you did say one thing without Stafford, they might be the worst team in the league. This is believe in lions, Logan. And uh, <laughs> I don't think they're the worst when healthy and uh, maybe on a bounce back with some of their players that were either new or, or had a down year. So, so let's get to your boy, big play slay. I, I caught it. I think it was earlier this week. You had sent some message out about him. Of course, Darius Slay has been known to get loose on Twitter and be be a, a man of the people with the fans. He he wrote you right back. I mean, fill the people in on kind of the interactions you had. And, you know, he pretty much gave away where he wants to be salary-wise. And I'm curious on your thoughts about him. Yeah, so I wrote a piece for SI Lions, Maven. And I pretty much just asked the simple question and kind of gave my thoughts of, how much Darius Slay is worth. He's looking for a contract extension. He's in the last year of his deal. Uh, he's 29 years old, and he's going to be 30 uh, at the end of next season. And the Lions still have him technically for this season. And then if they wanted, they could franchise tag him and have a player, a really good player. I think he's still a top five corner, like right on that, you know, on par. He's, he has, it's not the same players that 2017 where he's getting all the interceptions. But if you look at, what he's doing, I still think he's an elite player. And you just always wonder. It's that that whole age thing. It's like, when is that fall off going to start to happen? Because you never really know, As a guy, especially a guy who relies on athleticism, is going to start to decline. And so I, I pretty much laid out uh, in this tweet the top paid corners. And right now, like Xavier Howard's number one, making a little over $15 million a year. Josh Norman's making $15 million a year. Jermaine Johnson and Xavier Rhodes are both right around $14 million. And all those guys really aren't playing that great. Xavier Howard had a shortened season last year uh, due to injury. But uh, basically, Slay, Slay responded with uh, y'all number too low <laughs> and gave a little LOL <laughs> afterwards. And I didn't. I don't necessarily know if he meant the numbers of all the players that I listed were too low or if he thought um, if he actually looked in the article where I said I gave my thoughts on how much Slay was worth. And I thought a good contract that would be you know, still somewhat team friendly and maybe Slay would like it would be 15 to 16 million dollars a year, which would make him the highest paid corner. And the Lions would have him under contract um, until you know, his age 32 season, you know, through that season. And um, I don't, he didn't specify whether he thought uh, 15 to 16 was too low or if he just thought all the players listed were too low. But needless to say, 
he's looking to be the highest paid corner in the league. Uh, and so that's kind of where we're at with Darius Lay. And I just don't know if the Lions would be willing to dish out that kind of money, especially to a player who is very vocal. And the Lions have seemed to kind of ship those type of players out in the past. So I don't know where <laughs> that leaves Darius Lay and the Lions. All right, well, let me jump in. First of all, uh, Darius Slade didn't read the article. Now, everybody else should <laughs> go to SI, Lions Maven, and check out your stuff because you write great stuff. But Darius Slade, was, he, he responds to people's Twitter. I don't think he thinks about it too much. He just shoots people back. Uh, he not only wants to be the highest paid corner, he's trying to set a new bar. You know, it's commendable. You know, there's there's no real reason to hate on it. That's what he's doing. Now, you somewhat have to be realistic. All the guys you named off – you know, to, to me are not even the, the top corners, you know, uh, right. Josh Norman, where, where's my Charles Barkley soundbite when I need it. He's terrible. <laughs> he is. <laughs> they benched him last like, year. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's robbery. Like, and then, you know, Xavier Howard came out of the woodwork. Okay. He's a, he's a good to decent player, but um, you know, I wouldn't have been paying him as the highest guy either. And then you're looking at Xavier Rhodes. I mean, that guy's big physical, but basically slow as dirt. They've been talking about cutting the guy. So, you know, there is something to be said about when these guys get paid. And then a couple years later, you know, it, the contracts aren't worth it. This is my argument always with the NFL contracts is they always act like, oh, they're underpaid or I want this. Yet the minute your play falls off or the minute that you can't do it anymore, like those contracts look terrible. Same. The only thing it doesn't work is when we sign the quarterback and make him the highest paid guy when freaks out. But then every year that basically depreciates to look, you know, way better. Whereas like you signed Darius Slay at 17. I mean, he's going to have to not only be the basically the top corner in football. Yeah, we're going to need those big plays to, to lead up to the nickname because I'm not paying a, a $17 million guy that just kind of covers, doesn't get ever thrown at, isn't very physical, you know, when it comes to tackling or turning the football over. Like, you are going to have to be the ultimate big play slay if you want that kind of money. And I don't know. Like I say, he's going to go get it. I guarantee if he was free, he could go get some decent money from a, a contender or another football team. But my opinion is just what you said. I The only thing that holds back from me just saying play this year and we'll franchise you next year is that I don't want to deal with what they did this year, which is camp holdouts, a lot of talk about non-football issues. So if I'm Bob Quinn, if I'm Matt Patricia, like if this is really creating – waves behind the scenes which we don't ever know about because slays out in the community he's being funny on twitter i have had some interactions with him on there as well and he just you know he's a great likable guy he's played really well in detroit but i'm still not i'm putting him as like a from five to eight in the cornerback rankings you know overall and he still doesn't turn it over for me as much as i need him to to give him that huge bump so I would definitely be looking more to not only make him happy, but to get what I can in the trade market. Now people are going to say, well, you're just going to kill your team that way. No, there's still free agency. There's still the draft. If I can get a, a high second round pick or a, you know, a future first or something for Darius Slay, I would kind of just move on and wish him well, hope he does well and wherever he goes, maybe, maybe gets in the, deep in the playoffs or wins a ring. But I just don't think they can, can have this. They're kind of have a team that's trending towards being very hardworking, very um, low maintenance. So I think maybe you just have to go that way and 
People don't want to hear it. People just pay the man. Pay. I put a, a poll out on Twitter. Just pay him. Pay him. You know, like people act like there's no cap. There's no other positions we have to take care of. Just because he's he's a good football player. He's been decent. I don't think that you just uh, break the bank. You know, if you can come up with something amicable, great. If he wants to be here, great. If he doesn't, you know, there's definitely other ways the team can go, I think. So, um, Slay, shout out. You know, we love you. He's a he's funny, good dude. Great. Uh you know, good to great corner, but uh, not the best in the league and not a guy that I'm paying 17, 18. People were talking like the next corner will get paid 20. I mean, yeah, I'll go shopping if that's the case. So, Yeah, and I think the one thing, too, that he does have going for him is you look at the top corners in the league this year, um, you know, they're both over 30 years old. So, I mean, it's you just never know with the age uh, when that, that fall off is going to happen though. And that's what scares me is if he wants like a four year extension through age 33 season, he's still being paid $17 million a year towards the end of his contract, but his plays nowhere close. Like it puts the lions in a real pinch. And I do slays a great guy, uh, very fun to watch and, you know, been a good, great Detroit, Detroit lion, but you do, you just wonder, uh, what his trade value is right now. I don't think it's necessarily a first rounder, especially in the off season when teams feel like they can find, uh, alternatives and pick up players in free agency. I think his highest value would probably be in the middle of the season. If he's playing really well and there's a contender out there that needs some cornerback help, I think that's when you get the best deal for him. So it's, and you look at the scheme too, it's like this the Lions rely so much on man-to-man, and Slay is one of the one of the few that pretty much travel with the top receiver every week. He, you know, he not many guys can do that. So the Lions are, you you know, Matt Patricia's defense. He doesn't like to rush the passer, and he wants guys that can cover. And Slay's one of the better ones in the league when it comes to man-to-man coverage. So it's just, it's again, it's a that Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia situation of them being under the gun is just really clouds i think what might be best for the team long term Uh, let me ask you a couple quick follow-ups do you do you think slay has made the type of big plays as his name states that that you would want from a 15 i mean he was making what uh, he came off his rookie deal and then he 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 got a bump and then he got another bump so he's He's made 13th highest paid average year salary right now he's making 12 million on average a year so he's, yeah, he's up to the 12, but I mean, he's outplaying his contract right now in my mind. Yeah. Well, do you not mind then that he doesn't get his hands on, on too many balls? He had that one year where the, the ball was finding him just like it did go over Quinn that one year. Um, but my I issue he gets is his hand on the ball. Though. I mean, since he's coming to the league, he has the most pass breakups in the league. As far as interceptions go over the last three years, he's still tied for the most, I believe he's tied for the most interceptions by a cornerback in that three-year window. So, yeah, last year he didn't get as many interceptions, but his targets were also down last year compared to other years. So it's – Yeah, I, I'm with you, know, you there. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, it's just – I think, yeah, the interception numbers are a lot of times the only stat that people will look at when it comes to cornerbacks. Like, oh, well, how many picks does he have? But I think there's a lot more that goes into it outside of that. And – you know, anytime you're covering the top receiver uh, in games, there's going to be some games where cornerbacks don't get the best of the receiver. And there's there's a reason that uh, I think cornerbacks are really trending uh, to be one of the higher paid positions because there is a premium on coverage because the NFL is trying to make it so these 
offenses can pass the ball. So it's it's a difficult spot to be in. But I do I do think Darius Slay is still that big play moniker that he has. I think he still lives up to it because he still gets his hand on the ball. Um, you know, just looking at target rate per um, pass breakup and interceptions, he's still right up there with the best of them. And he's guarding the best player on the opponent's teams almost every week. Yeah, I, I guess I was just encouraged by the, you know, the kind of punch outs that Coleman had or just some of the, the grimy play. I mean, is his physicality up to where you would like it? I mean, when, when the Lions talk about wanting to be lockup corner, wanting to be a man press type system, like to me, Slay is a, a sweet feet kind of finesse, uh, like you say, follow the guy and, and, you know, see, sometimes he says, well, my numbers weren't there because nobody challenges me. Well, like until the Lions get other people that can also lock up like that, like why would you really test the guy that much? So you can you can say he doesn't have much, you know, caught against him or when he does, he sort of gets his hands on the football. But it's pretty easy just to turn to the other side and throw it against Nevin Lawson and, you know, Mike Ford and all these other scrubs we've had over there. So that's my counterpoint. I mean, what do you, what do you say to his physicality? Like to me, the lions want press corners that can really get their hands on you, really jam you up, uh, come down and tackle people. I mean, I don't see slay really getting in there too much. He does enough to, to be serviceable, but he, he's definitely not a corner that's going to come down and really help you a ton in the, in the run game or in other areas. He's going to take away that guy. And, and if he can, he'll get a play here or there. I mean, what does he have one or two, real house calls probably in his career. And like you said, you gave the other interception numbers, but I mean, I'm talking like, like, like fumbles that turn into game changers. I'm talking about, you know, tip plays late in a game that, that ends a game like he had back, you know, three, four years ago. That's kind of what I really want to see when I'm given that crazy money. I feel like I can go find a guy in that six, seven up to $10 million range that can, you know, be serviceable out there on the edge or be a, not serviceable because Slay is much better than that, but you know what I mean? Like there's other yeah. options where I can save, you know, seven, eight, nine million dollars and get a guy that can be more physical as well as, you know, maybe, uh, maybe get the ball out a little bit more other than interceptions, like, you know, come out and come out and strip it. But that, so those are my issues kind of just, is he physical enough? Does he, does he care? You know, there'll be times where he gets burnt. He just has the fun, you know, look on his face. You really, I think Patricia and Quinn want those dogs, you know, those guys that are just grinders every day. They're not, they're laughing, joking. They're coming there to, to take your head off and to play football and to um, do it the way they want it done. And I just don't know if Slay falls in there anymore, but except for, He's one of their better football players, so Matt Patricia probably loves him for that. You know, hey, every time the ball's around him, he's pretty much doing his job, doing what he needs to do, and I think that's why he's he's valued by this regime. Yeah, and to the physical point, like I think he's plenty physical. He's not overly physical, um, but it's in terms of tackling, like I think he's a fine tackler. Um, but in, in man press, you know, it's it's not like he's always jamming receivers, but He's sticky enough where even if you get by him, he's fast enough and agile enough where he can keep up with just about any player. So it's, I don't, yes, the Lions do want physical players and physical corners, bigger guys. You see that, you know, with Aruare, you know, they drafted him and he's six foot two. Um, Rashawn Melvin was six foot two. Coleman for being a slot corner isn't the biggest guy, but he's still very physical um digs when they had him playing a lot of slot corner he was very physical so i do think they like that but i don't think that's a flaw necessarily of slay um 
he has other things and other qualities that uh, definitely are better and they kind but they mitigate his lack of physicality for lack of better works i don't think he isn't physical i'm just not going to say he's the most physical type of player yeah, I got you there. We're going to go rapid fire in these last few, but one more on Slay, because I think this is really what it comes down to. Will he be in Detroit or will he not? Logan, do you think oh. he is a Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn guy? And then also, do you think his the way he likes to play which, with the joking, with the, oh, I'll get him next time, with the, I mean, do you think he has the grit, the ability to not only be that top corner, but really be almost like a, not only a leader of the defense, but that guy that really I don't even know how to say it. Like, I just think there's a little bit in him that's fun loving, but it's also like, I don't know if I see him gathering the troops up and really leading other than being very good at his technique, very good at his job, very good at, at maybe, you know, having fun with the DBs. So do you think he fits the mold or do you think he might be out just because he's a little bit outside of what the the coach GM and others are maybe looking for at this point, you know, where we're at as a team. I think as his personality goes, I do think it's a little bit against the grain uh, cause he does speak out. Um, and any right. player that Quinn has had, you know, you look at Diggs, you look at Ebron kind of funny. There's like a correlation between players that are talkative on like Twitter and social media. Like all those players are gone. <laughs> except yeah. like, um slay's like no the last play. one yeah and but he, i think he wasn't good enough that he can get away with it but i also right. think it's not really the best thing for the locker room you don't you don't always want people just saying everything that comes to mind i mean he he could be talking about the team more so than like his deal or you know things that always revolve him like sometimes that that team mold or that being real upset after a loss like i'd like to see slay just beat up after a close loss you know I know yeah. he's like, oh, I'm on to the next. Like, I, I, this game is just a game. Like, that's all fine and well, but don't you want the guys that are just – they're just blown up after a loss. They just want to get right back on the field and play again, you know? Yeah, and that's always kind of tough to, to predict, like, personalities. And same thing with Stafford, you know. You, his on-field persona seems like it's a lot different than than who he is in the locker room and to the media. So it's, it's tough to say without being actually in the locker room how they react or – you know, Darius Slay, I think one of his best qualities is he is competitive and he always does want to be the best. And yeah, it might rub people the wrong way a little bit when it's a little bit uh, more self-centered than maybe Bob Quinn would like. But at the same time, I think that's a good quality. Um, so it's just it kind of all depends on who you ask. But regarding if he's going to be back or not, uh, I know it might be a cop out, but I think there's it's about a 50, 50 percent chance for me because it's it's one of those deals where. I think the Lions need him uh, badly. They can't, if he were to get shipped out, I'm not sure who they were going to be able to bring in that's going to be able to necessarily replace what he does. Um, but at the same time, if he's asking for too much money and, you know, between the agent and Quinn, there's just too big of a gap in pay and they know they're not going to be able to come to a deal. Uh, and Slay's going to walk, well, then it's like, all right, well, maybe you should try to trade him. But you also got to remember, too, that there's going to be some comp picks involved. If Slay gets a big contract from somebody else, there will still likely be a comp pick that the Lions will get. Uh, it wouldn't be next year, but it'd um, be the year after where 
it wouldn't be giving him away for nothing. But if the Lions go and spend a bunch of money in free agency the same year Darius Slay walks, and they likely won't get that comp pick. So that's kind of how that works. But I think people are forgetting about that. If Slay were to just walk, he's going to get a big contract from, from somebody, and the Lions would get compensation in the future, likely like a mid-round pick. So um, right. I just I don't know if he'll be back or not. It's It's really tough to say, and I don't think Slay is going to necessarily budge on what he thinks his price is it's he knows it's probably his last contract so he's going to get as much much money as he can and honestly you can't blame him gosh there's still so much to say I guess I'll end it on this on my side like as you said with Stafford he's never had a run game he's very rarely had a defense I've always been frustrated because the Lions have never invested in a corner. Last corner they took was Terry Fair back in 1998 I believe it was like you know they've never paired yeah, they've never paired this guy up with another uh, running mate that really can do some things. And I would love to see it. You know, I'd love to see a Slay and Okuda or a Slay and, and Gladly out of TCU, like that kind of combo where it's high investments, guys that have that type of talent that you can set out there. You've already got Coleman in the fold. Um, we're going to get to our safeties here in a moment. Like, I would like that a lot. It's just a matter of price. Like you don't have endless funds and you have to be pretty strategic on where you put those funds and how old people are. And have they peaked? Have they not? You know, what's their mentality? Does it fit your, your scheme and where you're going? So, I mean, I think best case scenario is Slay, you know, gets, uh, they meet in middle ground. He He's happy. He's in here in camp. He's got a running mate like Akuda. There was the things coming out saying they've been tweeting each other or interacting a little bit like maybe maybe that's a great combo for two three years you know and they can work something out um great you know i've wanted to guard people for a while because all we do on sundays is watch the lions get toasted and roasted on the outside with everybody opposite a sleigh or in the slot we can't guard a soul and i think that started to change last year it's just not not where we want it yet. So we'll, we'll see what happens with them. Like I say, I if I had to make the tough decision, I'm probably looking at trade options. And if something's good enough, I would move them for him and for the Lions organization. But if nothing comes, you know, he just sort of hopes that he plays. Worst case would be a holdout, you know, just a, hey, I'm going to sit here until you do something that, that hurts the team. Yeah, it's a money issue at that point because you've already allocated those funds and now you don't have a player. That That's really what I'm hoping that does not happen. All right, everybody, it's your boy Okri, the host of the show, Derek Okri on Twitter. Um, I just wanted to break in here for a moment and let you guys know to please hit that subscribe button uh, to this podcast, whether you're listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary. I mean, we're on TuneIn, probably any other podcast platform you might be listening to us right now. Hitting that subscribe button or saving it or whatever you may do really helps us out. It also is a huge help. If you love the show and you love talking Detroit Lions, take take just a couple minutes if you think we've earned it and leave us a five-star review. It really helps the show, helps us uh, get in the search engines as well as just grow our audience. So we really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, if you also would like to advertise, um, just go to Believe.com and uh, they'll have a contact page there. You can reach out to anybody. Um, at Believe and uh, let them know you want to advertise either on Believe in Lions or any of the other great podcasts they have, and they can help you out with that as well. So just want to duck in, remind everybody to please do that. This show has been so fun. Believe Podcast Network, Believe in Lions has been a blast trying to uh, trying to grow it and getting to jump on here uh, once, twice a week and talk Detroit Lions football has been tremendous. So thank you all for the support. 
Let's get back to the show right now. Logan, man, uh, me and you can talk Lions football all day. You got a little bit more time. I just thought we'd go almost rapid fire with linebackers, wideouts, and corners, and even maybe mix the safeties in. Just get your quick thoughts on some of those. Yeah, that sounds good. So real quick, just give me your quick uh, rundown of, of not only our linebackers, but I, I'm more curious like where you think the, the strengths and weaknesses are with that unit right now. So the linebacker unit is – really it's kind of scary a little bit because I don't think the linebackers you know as a whole played very well last year but yet Jared Davis Christian Jones Jelani Tavai uh like Reeves Maven they're all under contract still and the Lions just gave Christian Jones a contract extension a rare contract extension that happened mid-season last year and so I think they really like where their linebackers are at right now so I'm not sure if they're even going to try to really upgrade or spend any type of high draft pick or even spend money in free agency to go after a linebacker. But I think there could be upgrades. Um, but again, like I, even if you do have an upgrade, it, it leaves Christian Jones, Jared Davis or Jelani Tavai likely out of a spot. And Bob Quinn has mentioned multiple times how much he likes Jared Davis and Jared Davis has played awful at times. Uh, he's actually looked decent from time to time as well. So it's just, I don't know if they're necessarily going to spend any draft capital or spend money on the free agent market. And from a linebacker unit that both their starters, Christian Jones and Jared Davis were bottom 10 and PFF grades at the linebacker position. And it's like, how, how are they just going to all of a sudden get better at that spot? So I, I don't know what they're going to do. It, it might, they might just turn to the defensive line. They obviously tried to, really overhaul that defensive line last year and it kind of backfired in their face. But if you have a solid defensive line, it probably could mask a lot of deficiencies or flaws the linebacker unit has. So I think that's probably, I'd imagine that's where the Lions probably look is adding defensive uh, front players to help with the run game. And I still don't know what they're going to do in the pass game because the Lions don't have a true pass coverage guy. So I think that's the biggest weakness when you're talking about, um, you know, or you asked me, what weakness do they have? I think it's definitely pass coverage. They don't have anyone. The Lions use a lot of three safety sets, and they'll use that those safeties to cover um, the tight ends and running backs. But anytime I feel like there's a linebacker out in the field that is matched up against a running back, it's like an automatic mismatch, and I feel like the quarterback targets uh, those players more than not. Logan, uh, yes or no for you on the linebackers. Would you, um, would Jared Davis be on your team in 2020? Yeah, there's not really any point to release him. He's still a cheap player. Um, I don't know what the trade value would be for him. So I, you know, might look into it, but yeah, I, I still think Jared Davis, um, I, I'm getting to the point where I think he is what he is, and but he still has a really high ceiling. He's super athletic, but I don't know if those instincts are necessarily quite there yet um, as far as angles go and just, you know, uh, missed tackles, things like that. But, yeah, he'd, he'd definitely be on my team if I was running the Lions, but I, that doesn't preclude me from not looking elsewhere to try to uh, upgrade the position. Would uh would Jelani Tavai be your starting middle linebacker uh, when we roll out in 2020 start the season? Over Jared Davis? Um, 
You know, that's a good question. I think he probably would just because Tavai, I don't think he was great last year, but he also wasn't bad. And when he did play, he was just really consistent and solid. Uh, He doesn't have the same range as Jared Davis, but in this defense, you don't really need to have great range because it's a two-gap system where, you know, the the linebacker's responsibility are pretty much to um, just maintain their gap. And that outside contain where Jared Davis probably does his best work, you know, chasing down plays, the Lions have their edge defenders that are responsible and play the biggest role in, you know, those outside runs that were the Lions aren't really asking their linebackers to be free. And obviously you want a linebacker that can get there, but it's not like their sole responsibility, like other defenses. So I think Tavai last year outplayed Davis when he did see the field. So yeah, I'd probably have Tavai over Davis at this point. All right. Uh, I don't know how we're doing on these yes or no's, but I do like the context and I, I don't want to interrupt. I like the, uh, the info <laughs> you're bringing the last one. I can't just say yes or no. I can't do it. It's, there's too much I have noticed. <laughs> no, uh, let's try it on this one. Just, this is a uh, one you can do it on. Would Logan Lamarandier draft a linebacker in the 2020 NFL draft? Yes. Okay, there we go. And that, that was a tough one because uh, I was about ready to have you say, well, it depends who's on the board. <laughs> uh, but let's get to the wideouts. So the Lions have no wideouts on the roster for 2021. Everybody has just assumed they've already signed the contract that Kenny Galladay is here for the next six years at however many million dollars. Nobody cares about the cap again. They just think he's signed, sealed, and delivered, which as much as I love Kenny, I, I don't think it's going to be that easy. But I do hope he stays here. Um, Marvin's on his last deal. You don't know what they're gonna do with Danny Amendola. Like, do you have any general thoughts, kind of broad strokes, on what you would do to have an explosive wide receiving core this year, but also sort of maybe set yourself up for 2021 and beyond? Yeah, I mean, fortunately for the Lions, this year's draft class is super deep, and I feel like the college level right now is just producing so many receivers. And we mentioned it before how the NFL is kind of. Um, you know, giving the advantage to receivers. So you can have smaller receivers that make an impact and they don't necessarily need to be the biggest of players anymore to, um, to get open and make plays. So yeah, I, I would definitely probably be looking maybe even the second round. If there's a receiver, like with a first round grade that slips just because the class is so deep. If it's a guy you can't pass up, I wouldn't mind taking him because I don't know where this um, receiving what's going to happen to Marvin Jones? We just don't know. And Kenny Galladay, I assume, will get a contract extension. But there's so many mid-round players, too. Like, even, um, you know, like, bigger guys, like Michael Pittman, Jr. out of USC, 6'4", another 6'4", guys, like Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame, um, both big players that could be on the outside that, you know, might be able to uh, back up Marvin Jones for a year and, um, you know, eventually take his spot. And those are both, I think, late second, you know, or day two, maybe even fourth round type players, depending on where they go. But there's, it all depends on what the Lions are looking for. If they don't sign Amendola, they obviously could have a need for a more traditional slot receiver. But at the same time, the Lions drafted TJ Hawkinson last year too. I think they need to start utilizing him a little bit more and expand his responsibilities because you can't justify taking a tight end at eight if they're not going to have him see the field. And you see so many different tight ends in the league now that are basically big slot receivers. And I think Hawkinson is big enough to do that. So if the lions did 
maybe shy away from spending a lot on a slot receiver and move Hawkinson um, in the slot a little bit more than he did last year. I wouldn't mind that either. So it's, it's a lot of different ways you can go and it's kind of just where the lions see the most value. But I do think this receiver class, how deep it is that there's going to be some good ones when the lions are on the board. And I think they should strongly consider taking one if they feel like it's a fit and they like um, the potential and kind of where they could fit in this, uh, scheme as like a wide receiver three this year because it is behind our top two guys right now it's just wide open yeah uh, I just want to give a real quick uh, my side of things they need speed man they need they need game breaking speed guys go over the top Matt Stafford's always had a cannon they've never had that speed demon that can get behind the defense score a touchdown in a blink they've had these big bodied possession type receivers or you know when your best guy that can go up over the top is Marvin Jones like you know, he's done he's done well at that when he's been here, but there's definitely more explosive guys in the league now. So I, I think one hundred percent. I the, and, the speed thing is huge. I, yeah. I would like some and, speed. And as you said, you know, uh, they're gonna have to mix Hawkins. So to me, that slot receiver is the big thing. And every year there's a couple decent, you know, kind of mid range age type receivers that are in free agency. I don't know why you couldn't maybe add a guy, he comes in and plays a role this year, and if you locked him up for two or three years, then there's one of your other bodies. So it'd be Kenny, him, and then a, a rook that's on the way up that has some juice. So that's kind of what I'd say to that. Uh, let's let's put these last two kind of together. We got cornerback number two. I'm curious your thoughts on of what might work there. And is that important to you? As Because I know it's important to me. And then I've really been high on our safeties overall, but I also was pretty discouraged at some of their lack of coverage or lack of, you know, a step or two behind last year, both for T-Walk as well as uh, Will Harris back there. Would you add another safety or do you think these guys are really going to take a leap forward here in 2020 as well as what do you want to do? Maybe assuming that Slay is there on the other side. So yeah, Jeff Akuda, I think if uh, Chase Young, you know, a team doesn't trade up to number two to take Tua in Washington does end up taking Chase Young. Um, my next player that I would want for the Lions is Jeff Okuda. I think he's literally, you know, one of the, the best cornerback prospects I've seen who's just, you know, no cornerback prospect is ever perfect. But you look at his game and what the Lions ask for their corners, and it just seems like a perfect fit. Um, you know, the combine's coming up, which will kind of solidify some of my thoughts about him. If Jeff Okuda's running – you know, something crazy like, you know, in the four threes or even low four fours, you know, um, and all the agility drills are there that match up with his tape that make him look like he's just super agile. Then, yeah, he's he's my favorite. So I, I'm not against taking a corner at all. But even in the second round, you know, you got to look at the, the bigger players because I think that's what the Lions like. And a guy like maybe like Trayvon Diggs, uh, Alabama corner. He's a bigger corner. C.J. Henderson from Florida is also a bigger corner, like Bryce Hall. I think there's going to be a few guys the Lions will consider that can um, – I don't know how much they believe in RORA. I thought RORA showed, showed at least some flashes last year uh, that were encouraging. But the Lions would know better than I would. They see him on a day-to-day you know, practice basis as where he is at. But I do think corner uh, – you know, especially if Slay leaves at a certain point or they don't think they're going to be able to resign him. Yeah, you have to have to have a succession plan in place. So as far as safety goes, I really like Tracy Walker. I think um, last year, you know, an expanded role. Yeah, injuries 
didn't help him, but I thought he looked really good. Will Harris, um, I'm a little concerned about him because I thought Will Harris all through even his college career never really was necessarily like a a big playmaker or got his uh, hands on the ball a lot. He just seems like a solid, more of like a number three safety, and I think he could probably be better suited. The Lions played him a lot deep. I almost think he'd be better suited um, in that Tavon Wilson role. And if the Lions were to draft another safety, like Grant Delpit, maybe if he slipped to the second round, um, he was a super high prospect going into the season. And then he kind of fell off and looked like he had some tackling issues. But again, he has some range where he might be a better free safety and that can move Will Harris more into the box where I feel like he should be a better fit. So I, I do think the Lions with the amount that they play three safeties, uh, Tavon Wilson is going to be a free agent. So you're kind of at a spot where if he doesn't come back, the Lions need a third safety and they need their safeties really have to be able to do it all because they rely so much on the safeties for coverage of tight ends and they need they play them all over the place um, a lot in the box as well for that third safety. So it depends what safety's on the board in the draft, but I, I do think they'll add one, especially if uh, they don't add one in free agency or Tavon Wilson doesn't come back. So with what you said, let's play a quick game. So if Akuda's on the board, and would you – this is that value game in the draft. Would you take Akuda and then hope a, a pass rusher or a, a safety, as you said, is, is there in round two? Or would you take um, Derek Brown or uh, another impactful, more of a bigger-type football player on the defensive line and then hope, you know, um, any corner – you know, to me – there's only a few corners, you know, if you wait, but the it's that waiting game. Like, how do you, how do you play it out? Like, have you done some mocks and sort of seen how that falls? Because to me, it's always worked out better when I take the big bodied rusher up front and then I get gladly, I get Danzler, I get some of the guys you mentioned there in the second, third, <clears throat> even sometimes you can get a decent guy in the fourth. Whereas, you know, it's, it's a decent edge class, but some of those, those bigger bodies or like, then you're not able to take, you know, an interior lineman in the second round. So I'm sure you've played out some of those scenarios, but to me, it always comes down to where's this draft heavy. Even if Okuda's incredible, you know, it's kind of like you, the corners don't go three overall. So he better be an all pro or you take, you know, a big guy, then get after the quarterback. And then you take a corner later. That's not as good, but it's better value at that point. You know, at, at what yeah. or picking a second round, or if you really want to push it and can wait till three, or you didn't mention my guy McKinney out of Alabama, you want to go oh, safety. Yeah. So play some corner like Delpit and move around and be a chess piece. Like I'm kind of in for waiting on those guys. Cause if you take a Cuda, a lot of those guys are out of play. You know what I mean? Because you That's can't true. go Cuda, then Delpit and McKinney, but you know that, those guys might slip like these, these other guys, uh, Derek Brown's not slipping past number seven, basically, you know, these other, these other football players, uh, you know, that could be a rush end aren't going to be there. You know, you're, you're going to have to go a different direction or get a, a much less player. So that that's my only comeback. And like everything else you said, I'm on board with, I think people are totally sleeping on Tracy Walker. I mean, every time I hear him, that's, that's, I guess where I was going with Slay. When I hear Tracy Walker, he he's he's upset when they're not winning ball games. He 
he, he looks like a guy that just is annoyed by the fact that they're not dominating out there. Now, yeah, he needs to get better in some roles. I remember how excited the Lions were when they took him. I think he's really grown. He almost seems like his body's coming into form, you know, meeting those long arms and stuff that he has. But, like, everyone sort of never talks about him. And I feel like I feel like for some reason he has, like, Pro Bowl potential at the safety position uh, just based on length, measurables, and that dog in him. And I'm I'm already putting it out there that 2020, he's going to burst on the scene as not only a top player on this defense, but a guy that people, when the Lions come to town, be like, better find out where 21 is on the back end because he's flying around. He'll come down and cover your tight end, and he'll hit you in the mouth too. Yeah, no, and you, I, I like Tracy Walker a lot. I do think he has Pro Bowl potential, but to hit on your point um, regarding a defensive lineman, getting better value at a cornerback in the later rounds. I do agree with that because there's a lot of cornerbacks. Maybe I just need to do a little bit more homework on the defensive interior guys. But, yeah, I, I find myself liking a lot of cornerbacks in the second and third round and not being nearly as infatuated with the defensive line prospects still on the board in the middle round. So you, you do bring up a good point. I just think Akuda is just that the best player on the board when they pick. And I don't know if the Lions can – necessarily just pass that up but Derek Brown I mean he he looks really good too I don't think there's it's much difference maybe between him and Akuda but at this point I still like Akuda but yeah it's, it's tough if you think there's going to be if it's a deeper cornerback class and not as a deep of defensive line you get more bang for your buck if you go defensive line and Derek Brown comes in and make an in, makes an instant impact and you could still get a second or third round corner um, that can play in this scheme and is a good fit. Corners, oftentimes, you know, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but I think you've seen enough corners that have come in year one and still made an impact. So it's that's a good question. I I have kind of noticed that when I'm doing my drafts. It's like I like, even though I took a CUDA round one, there's still cornerbacks I like in round two and three that I'm like, oh, man, they're, they're still there. That's tempting, but I already have a CUDA. And that defensive tackle is a big spot. So, like, people are writing it off. But, like, he can slide over and play nose depending on what Snacks does. Every time I watched him, like, he was getting push and, and using his his length and all that stuff every time. And, and the best thing I saw, which, again, I've been promoting the trade down. So, my, my favorite thing is to trade back as far as we can. One of my uh, buddies on Twitter sent me his mock, and he traded with the Raiders probably because every show I do, I usually say – please trade with the Raiders and get their two first round picks. And we'll just call it a day at uh, 12 and whatever they're at 18 or 19. He got, he got Epineza and Kinlaw. Oh baby. Oh geez. <laughs> Could you imagine That'd walking be a quick turnaround? With the line, yeah. Put, putting, putting Epineza on the other side of flowers and then putting Kinlaw in the middle of our defense. Oh my goodness. Like, like forget Tua or forget uh, Kuda up top. We'll go ahead and do that. And oh, by the way, we already have our, we got our second rounder coming right around the bend for either that safety or a corner. That got me all excited when I saw that. I was thinking that's, that's probably a dream scenario for me to get two big nasties like that and still have a, a, a high second, third rounder coming that, that you can, you can add to the secondary or get a playmaker. So Man, so much to talk about. Like, I, I knew when we were doing this, we were going to try to get through a bunch of topics. I'm like, man, me and Logan, we're going to be talking Lions all day, every day. You've been real uh, real accommodating with your time, man. Um, just tell the people a little bit where they can check you out, and then we'll get you back on here another month or so. We'll be closer to uh, the greatest thing in sports, which is called the NFL Draft, and we'll be past the Combine. So lots more to talk about at that point. 
yeah, there'll be plenty to talk about in a month. And just like we did tonight, you know, I think we, uh, what do we say? Half hour and it's been, it's been right. almost an hour, but, uh, right. yeah. So, um, if you want to find me, um, right at SI Lion Maven, um, lionlowdown.com as well. Uh, definitely more active on Lion Maven though. You know, I write there daily, but, uh, if you want to get in touch on Twitter, that's where I'm most active. Uh, the, um, you can just go at L Lamoran deer, uh, not the easiest to spell, but it's L A M O R A N D I E R. Um, got Facebook as well. Uh, and then even Instagram. So just type in my last name and I'll probably pop up, but yeah, I do the majority of my communication just through Twitter and, uh, there you'll find all everything I write. So, uh, it's pretty easy to, to follow once you got me on Twitter. So appreciate you having me, man. That's a lot of good oh. talk. Oh, definitely. And, and all the great stats, numbers, things you brought here, you can find all that in his articles and on his Twitter posts. He always brings the knowledge and talks lines. So Logan, thanks so much, man. We'll, uh, we'll catch you back here, right here on Believe in Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.